Hey, it's Goss. Before we get into this Godzilla Media podcast, I want to tell you about our friends over at Tech East Fire and Water Restoration. Your best way back to normal, tefirewater.com is their website. Fire, mold, water damage to the place you're living in right now. What do you do? So many people, like myself, freak out because they're not exactly sure who to call, who they can trust when something awful happens to your home and who can fix it. That's when Techies Fire and Water Restoration will step up for you and help you get back to normal. Mike Corda and his team over there have done a fantastic job. And my pal LeVac, man. LeVac is learning more about the restoration business. You can hit up LeVac on social media, at the Jeff LeVac, if you want, if you've got issues going on in your homes here in the Capital Region. By the way, LeVac and I, LeVac and Gaz, Saturday, July 31st, from 3.30 to 5 o'clock, we'll have our little pregame show ready for you. And I say a little because we're going to be jammed in that office inside the Albany Empire spot, inside the Times Union Center, getting you ready. If you want to listen to LeVac and Gaz, Apple, Spotify, live on Godzilla Media's YouTube page, and also on the Techies Fire and Water Restoration Facebook page, facebook.com slash TE Fire Water. That's where you can listen and watch the broadcast. Your best way back to normal, tefirewater.com. Now, on to this Godzilla Media podcast. Welcome back to Sports with a Z and a T on our normal programming schedule we are going to be dropping on wednesday instead of last week like we did we dropped on thursday i am bryce Solinsky alongside taylor Lattimore. we are presented Hello. by godzilla media sponsored by saving face barbershop mohawk honda techies fire water restoration and i don't want to forget as jaws as jaws as guys put in before this episode Welcome to the Godzilla Media family, Johnstone Supply Company down in Troy. Very exciting stuff there as well. So we're growing, we're getting bigger and bigger, and I'm glad that everybody is here along with us for this awesome ride. We have a lot to get to, Taylor. Um, this oh, is a yeah. bu- this is a busy week. Uh, NFL training camp just started. Uh, we have the MLB rumor mill is really hot. I mean, there's trades flying all over the place and rumors flying all over the place. So we'll get to all that. Um, the Olympics are a hot heaping pile of trash. So we'll get to that. And then uh, if we have some time, we'll get to some college football realignment. So let's dive right into it and. and you know, training camp started and everybody expects all the typical stories. You know, you look at the Cowboys as a talking point with them getting healthy. You look at the Patriots, you look at the Bucks, but the big starting point and the biggest question was all the way back to April before the draft. And I mean, even draft night, we didn't think he'd be a Green Bay Packer. We thought he'd be a Denver Bronco. Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers have made peace with each other. Aaron Rodgers is in Lambeau. He signed a new deal. And everything about this, Taylor, just feels kind of like the NBA is now the NFL, right? Like, yeah, the NFL has become NBA 2.0. That's just what it feels like because this was one of the first times, not the first time, but one of the most prominent instances of this um that an nfl player that being aaron Rodgers, coordinated the course of his career with far more control than the league has ever seen and pretty much dictated what the green bay packers do he mm-hmm. is in charge of the green bay packers he lebron the green bay packers he yep. is the reason why they're about to bring back randall cobb Devonte mm-hmm. adams is back uh, the damage is done. 
uh, done between <laughs> Rodgers and the Packers. I mean, this is kind of if, – if you read into this new contract, and I'll pull it up here. Um, first of all, the 2023 year in Rodgers' contract, which is the last one on his current deal, is voided. There are no mm-hmm. tags allowed in the future. The Packers would agree to review Rodgers' situation at the end of this year, so everything's all good in Lambeau for this year. Um, Rodgers' contract is adjusted with no loss of income to give the Packers more cap room now, and there's mechanisms. This is the part that I find really interesting. There are mechanisms that will put be put in place to address Rodgers' issues with the team. Mm-hmm. Um, when when they talk about mechanisms, and, and this is what I wanted to get into because this is the more the NBA part of things. That means Rodgers doesn't have to see the people in the front office he don't want to see. Stay out of my way. I'll stay out of your way. Let me go win my football games and let me get a last Lambo trophy and get or Lambo trophy Lambeau. Lombardi trophy and <laughs> get like the hell Lambeau. and get the hell out of here. That's at, that's where Rodgers is at this point, and they are loaded offensively. You know Rodgers is going to sit there and, and have a hell of a year because he's going to prove that he can play elsewhere next year for another team and go out and win another Super Bowl, kind of like what Tom Brady proved that he could do with the mm-hmm. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is an interesting situation. It's not one that's going to go away. Um for Packers president Mark Murphy, uh, this is this is kind of you know happy now, and, and kind of push it down the <laughs> curb for for next year because the Packers all of a sudden become that NFC favorite again. In mm-hmm. my opinion, they're one of them. And throughout this month, sure. we will talk about you know our predictions and who's going to the Super Bowl and whatnot. But mm-hmm. this is Devonte Adams' last year. This is Aaron Rodgers' last year. You have Aaron Jones that's back. And you have Robert Tunyon at tight end, a better offensive line, and a team that's out to prove that they're better than that mishap last season in the playoffs, that they're Mm -hmm. better than that, and they're looking forward to coming out with a vengeance. But this Aaron Rodgers story is not going to go away, and it has kind of that last dance feel to it. Yeah, oh, I think it, even him and Devontae Adams both like put out on their social media uh, picture like, you know, Michael and Scotty, like last dance. Yep. As in, they're saying that this is, hey, Packers, this is it. This is our last dance. We are going to have one last year with you. And I think it, it really is um, quite remarkable because we've never truly, I don't think, to my knowledge, remember a situation quite like this. You've had running backs that have held out for deals, and that's fine because most of the teams are willing to let running backs do whatever they want. Like, sure, hold out. We'll be fine. We have another backup running back because running back as a position is so uh, easy to fill. You don't need necessarily like the best guy in the league. You don't need Zeke to be Zeke always. Like Tony Pollard can be the guy who comes in and runs and does fine. If you have a good enough offensive line, especially, it doesn't really matter who you put behind it. If they're going to be an NFL running back, they're going to be able to run for decent yardage. You know, obviously you want the Le'Veon Bells or the Zeeks if you have the full on choice, but you're not willing to pay extra money or bend to their will. But this time, Aaron Rodgers is one of the most important, literally like he is an MVP of this league. He is a most valuable player. 
and to him for him to be able to dictate his future it's you're right it's very lebron-esque it's very taking back control because the nfl has always been the league that kind of holds on to his players so tightly because free agency is free agency yeah but it's not true free agency because they can tag you almost at any time and if they tag you you have no choice it's just like oh you're tagged you're playing for us regardless of what you want and so it's 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 different and it's new and i kind of like it because i like the nba and the the ability of players to move around where they want to go i don't want a player to be stuck in a crap situation um so yeah if you you'll like I like what I see from Aaron Rodgers and he's going to show out because he always does. The, the guy's amazing. Like the, his touchdown to interception ratio is just absurd. Like, like 45 touchdowns, five interceptions. It's like, he just doesn't throw interceptions and the, the dude's crazy. He's going to do the same type of thing again, I would think. And yeah, they are one of the favorites in the NFC. I don't know if I'd say they are the favorite. Cause you know, you got other teams, the bucks and whoever else, but, but yeah, it's it's a situation that we haven't seen a lot of, um, and I'm excited to see Aaron Rodgers, one of the best players in the NFL, have his choice of where he wants to go, anywhere in the league. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a fun time. And that, like I said, this has damage done on both sides. That's probably not repairable at this point from the saga. He was gonna retire. Season. He was Rogers is, to and and this has been a conversation point across the nation as this story unfolded and obviously throughout the summer. Um, Rogers' approach to this offseason to some, and I don't know if I'm there yet, and maybe because I'm not personally hurt by Rogers because I'm not a Packers Bay fan. And maybe you'd have a different but view of it. Did this tarnish his legacy? I, I mean, there are pictures of Packers fans. There was a – I saw I saw it on social media. I, I don't know. I'm sure you could look it up. There was a yard sign in Lambeau of a Packers fans that's, that read, Aaron, go Pack. That's it. Um, clearly this is something that rubbed fans the wrong way. And from a football standpoint, his decision to skip everything in the off season might have repercussions on the field. And I'm not saying he needed more, you know, seven on seven drills to throw to Devonte Adams and, or hand off to Aaron Jones. I'm not talking about that, but if you remember from last off season, when there were reported riffs and now, now I'm going back before 2020, there were rifts between Matt LaFleur's play calling and the offensive coordinator, who's Nathaniel Hackett. There was a lot of discussion that they weren't on the same page. They spent a lot of time in that offseason pretty much refining their entire offensive system, seeing how they could cater more to Aaron Rodgers and giving Aaron Rodgers, not that he needs more control, but more control of the offense, which is what he's good at changing the play at the line of scrimmage, reading defenses mm -hmm. and just playing the mismatch. That's what Aaron Rodgers does extend plays out of the pocket that he's just that good. Um, this is something that I'd like to keep an eye on because you're not having that this year. If Rodgers, if Rodgers's demands are so outrageous 
saying that he wanted influence over the new defensive coordinator was going to be or how disrespected he felt, whether it's justified or not. This is something that the drama is not going to go away. And as much as you want everything to be fine and dandy, it's just not. And, and I don't know, you know, there, there is a saying that says you're either getting better or you're getting worse. There's mm-hmm. not staying the same. What has Rogers done this year? It despite, except really put all the pressure on him to get better. I don't know if there's an answer to that. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. And it, it's, it's been a kind of a weird thing where like as good as Aaron Rodgers is, and we all can agree he's inarguably one of the best to ever play the position of quarterback. And he's got one Super Bowl to show for it. And so you got to wonder at some point, um, and this even goes back to, I, I've thought about this a lot, obviously, as, as this whole Aaron Rodgers saga has been playing out. His gripe has always been, you know, he doesn't like the front office guys. He doesn't like who they bring in. He doesn't it, it like. It starts who- with general manager Brian Gutenkunst. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that, that is where it starts along with the, with the president and, and, and Murphy. That, those are the two guys that this problem has always been with. And it's always been like, oh, in the draft, you prioritize trying to get like defensive guys or other people not getting trying to get wide receivers. But then if you really take a look at it, playing little like Green Bay Devil's Advocate here, he's had Randall Cobb, like Nelson, Devontae Adams, one of the best wide receivers in the league, arguably top three, or you could argue one. And I wouldn't really put up too much of a fight about it if that's the way you wanted to go. So he's had he's had players. Aaron Jones in the backfield. He's had wide receivers. Yeah, he has, doesn't have a full like Hall of Fame set of players all at the same time. Sure, but like he's had weapons, so I really don't get where he's coming from in that respect. And I don't know if he should be complaining as much as he does. Well, I mean, I mean, he's what? had plenty of opportunities to to get to the the promised land of uh, uh, getting back to a Super Bowl, and he just hasn't. I mean, l- l- let's be clear. This isn't all on Aaron Rodgers either. I mean, there is the side no. of the Packers screwing up royally as well. They and are the coaching is awful. Whether it was giving him a heads up before they traded up, you know, in the first round, traded up in the first round to get Jordan Love. Yes, that was um, smacking without face, talking to him or mm-hmm. offering him at least the illusion of influence. Uh, the team needed to show the appreciation and respect he felt he deserved. And he, in his mind, was not getting it. Mm-hmm. Wasn't getting a second weapon behind Devontae Adams. Wasn't drafting on the offensive line. Kept drafting all these corners and, and, on, and on defense, addressing defensive needs. Rodgers has always felt that he was not getting the help that he at this point in his mind deserved. And maybe you agree that he does. I'm not saying I don't agree with it. I think they have done a horrible job uh, surrounding Aaron Rodgers with more talent and the things that he's done with what he's had. Granted, you have one of the best, if not the best wide receiver in football in Devonte Adams, but that's really for the past couple of years been it. I mean, yeah, the supporting cast has not been great. So this goes both ways. Uh, but let, let's be clear. Um, Rogers' silence and cryptic, cryptic messages <laughs> were 
discouraging this offseason, made a lot of people question his character, made a lot of people question his love for the game, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, recently they did, like you said, him and Devontae Adams did the picture of Jordan and Pippen, um, mm-hmm. kind of signaling that this is it. The Packers know that this is it, and I and I think that's going to either make or break this season, for better or for worse. Rodgers and Adams will be motivated, but is the rest of the team going to look up to Rodgers and Adams and say, well, you're leaving us after this year. Why the hell should I listen to you? See, I see it from both sides, I think, whereas I can make an argument to where if I compare him to one of his contemporaries, that being Tom Brady in uh, New England, yes, Tom Brady was always giving given at least a decent or they tried to give him a decent offensive line, but they never really prioritized getting him like the best wide receiver in the league or someone they thought that could be him. I mean, he's had weapons, but I mean, outside of Randy Moss, he's been working with, you know, guys that I don't really think would have been like pro ball caliber guys. And they, they're not even with Brady. And if it wasn't for Brady, because I think that Brady elevates his teammates that much, I don't think they would have been anywhere close to the top of the league in any sense of the word. And so when I look at that, and then I compare it to what Aaron Rodgers has had. And mainly, I guess I'm just looking at like the fact that he has Aaron Jones, one of the top running backs, and Devontae Adams, possibly the best wide receiver in the league. And I got to be like, well, I mean, I guess, but like the offhanded, like, like childish, almost childish way he goes about like letting them know through back alleys and through social media and through side things that he's he's unhappy. It's like, just man up and work with what you got. But on the other side, for me personally, I, I like what he's doing, setting a precedent to where people uh, like quarterbacks, especially can go where they want because I just like to see people. I think the, my favorite part about the NBA season outside of the playoffs is free agency because I love seeing where all the players are going to go. I love the suspense of oh, where's Kawhi going to go. Where's KD going to go when LeBron is a free agent and like legitimately was like not the years that he like resigned with the Cavs or whatever, like this uh, last season where he was like, oh, I'm just going to re up with the Lakers. But like the times where it was like, is he going to leave Cleveland and go to Miami? Is he going to leave Miami and go back to Cleveland or wherever people are saying Chicago and all this other crap. That's fun to me as a fan especially when I'm not a fan of the team he's leaving. Like I'm like, hell yeah. Let's see where Aaron Rodgers can go. Let's I'll get him on the Colts. I don't care. Get rid of Carson Wentz. Oh, stop. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> wow, well, wow, I'm going to stop you right there. Don't speak ill of Carson Wentz. <laughs> Carson Wentz hasn't done anything for me yet. So I would definitely trade him for Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. But um, the fact of the matter is I can see it from both sides. I can see the argument where, yeah, you, you kind of got, a lot of weapons when you actually look at it compared to other teams, you look at like Sean Watson, he's not got anything. In fact, they traded his best receiver, which was one of the best receivers in the league. They never did that to you, Aaron Rodgers, as much. I mean, they did trade uh, Nelson, I think, but like that was ending towards the end of Nelson being in his prime and he was coming off an injury. And um, yeah, so like, I don't think he's been treated as rawly as other quarterbacks is all I'm saying. And for him to be crying about it as much as he does, I don't know if that's really warranted, but I'm all for quarterbacks asserting their free agency and going wherever they want, because this next off season with him and Devonte Adams, whether they stay together, which I think they'll try to like, if they can, if they can find a team that'll take both of them, I think they will. And that'll be awesome. 
And it could totally, those two players could totally change the landscape of the entire NFL with one move. And I love that. So you mentioned the other quarterback. You laid it right out on a tee. So Aaron Rodgers isn't the only quarterback. You don't think I did that on purpose? I definitely did. Aaron Rodgers (laughs) isn't the only quarterback, obviously, on the front page of the headlines as NFL training camps begin this week. Uh, Let's go down to Houston now as the Houston Texans prepare to take the field for training camp uh, today, Wednesday. They have their first day of training camp. Um, Don't expect to see Deshaun Watson on the field. However, he did report to the facility on Sunday morning, which is a little bit of a head scratcher. Although Watson is on the team's roster, he is facing those 22 civil lawsuits with allegations of sexual assault and inappropriate behavior. Um, Watson asked for that trade back in January. It was obviously the talking point leading up really to the Super Bowl. And then everything came out after the Super Bowl into March and before the draft where Watson would probably had been traded by the NFL draft if none of this came out. Um, however, it has. It remains to be seen whether another team will trade for Watson amid the ongoing lawsuits. But let me get you guys up to speed before we dive into this. It's pretty simple that why Watson did report to training camp was he didn't want to get that $50,000 fine for each day that he doesn't report that's under the new CBA uh, that went into effect in 2020. So the Texans chose to cancel their mandatory mini camp in June. So this is the first time that Watson has been on the field. Uh, So it's going to be interesting, even though the Texans say they are now open to trading Watson, which is a stance um, coming from the Texans front office that was clear back in the winter time that they had no intention of trading him. Um, But Honestly, as these lawsuits that were filed in March and April and Watson's legal situation played out, um, it became increasingly clear that the Texans were opening up to trading him. They still have a heavy asking price, which is you know three first rounders up to five picks or or NFL ready players. Um, it remains to be seen if that you know maybe before the season starts, Watson will have a new NFL team. If Watson plays this year, now we did get something before this show that I will read off to you. If I can find it real quick, Uh, doesn't look like I can, but it pretty much summarized that the fact that Watson will not be punished by the NFL or be put on the exemption list to date. Um, basically because it's an ongoing investigation and it is up to Watson not to be on the field, not the team, not the NFLs. So he is reporting, he is holding out, but you're not going to see him on the, uh, the practice field. And there are two teams that have been rumored and we can get into all of this. There are two teams that are rumored to be interested in Deshaun Watson services. The Denver Broncos are one of them. And probably the most able and willing team out there is the Philadelphia Eagles with three, potentially four first round draft picks in the next two years. A lot of question marks around Jalen Hurts. I've been clear about my reservations with Jalen Hurts over the years, but they just brought in Steven Nelson. They have a roster ready to compete. However, the quarterback position is the question mark outside of a rookie head coach. Deshaun Watson makes sense for the Eagles. It makes sense for the Broncos. However, this lawsuit, I mean, 22 counts and 
counting need to be figured out before any move is made. And certainly, even if it is cleared, I don't see how the Texans can realistically view this as the deal that it would have been in January. Uh, you're not getting three first rounders up to five picks and NFL ready players for Deshaun Watson at this point, not with all these question marks. No, I mean, it, 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 I would almost be surprised if it gets traded at all. Um, at least while these allegations are still up in the air, because like, let's face it. When we first started hearing about this, it was okay. One person claimed it. And if one person claims it, it's like, okay, you take them into account. Obviously, you don't discredit anyone who's pulling up allegations, but it's just one person and it's it's a one-off or you, you think that it could possibly be a one-off. And then they started piling up and piling up and really piling up to where we have 22, 21 allegations, separate allegations, criminal fi- cr- criminally filed, not just not just civil suits or whatever. Like at this point, like police are involved and it's an ongoing investigation kind of thing. And it's it's questionable. Like, I don't know how it's going to turn out. No one knows how it's going to turn out. It could turn out that all of them are false and they're all just jumping on a bandwagon to try to get money. I'm not saying that that's what I believe. I tend to go the other way to where, like I just said, like 21 is a lot. And it seems like, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And so I, I'm not casting any aspersions on Deshaun Watson's character, but at this point, you're you're not looking great. And so I would be hesitant if I was any team in in doing this move because you know it's it's kind of like the Antonio Brown situation where like you don't know at what point the NFL is going to step in and say, okay, you're suspended for 12 games or six games or three games. The NFL is so unpredictable with its with its disciplinary action that you don't even know how many games he might miss if he misses any or if this whole thing just blows over, if nothing is found and we move on. So yeah, I, I would be surprised if this trade happens quickly. And I would be very surprised if like you said, they get like all that they're asking for five high draft picks and a serviceable player at this point, they'd be lucky to get maybe one or two high draft picks, maybe one high draft pick and a second or third round pick and maybe a serviceable player because you, it's, it's a big, it's a big question mark. You don't know how many games he'll be playing, whether he'll be playing at any point. And I don't know. Those definitely get a haul because he's that good of a player. But how much it is and when it happens, I'm not sure that anyone can predict that. According to the Houston court system where, where this is all taking place, um, Without a settlement, the lawsuits would not be resolved until after the 2021 NFL season because depositions are scheduled for February 22nd of 2022. So even after this year's coming Super Bowl, this might still be playing out. So unless there's a settlement, teams are not going to be trading at all for a player that may be, you know, who who knows, guilty, not guilty, what the settlement would be. Um, yeah. With that That's being said, man, I didn't even think about is like if it since it's a like a criminal matter, like if well, if he were to be a- arrested, I mean, well, I, now, I mean, I'm sure he could pay bail or whatever else. Now, to get now out, those but. depositions are civil. So there's a difference. Those okay. depositions are civil. When you go to the criminal side of it, 10 women have filed complaints with Houston police about Watson. Eight of those women are among the 22 women who filed the civil lawsuits against Watson. 
two of the women have not filed civil lawsuits against Watson. So Houston, I mean, in in the Houston police have not really commented on the investigation or the number of women who really have filed the complaints. That's all we know at this point, but that mm-hmm. is starting to be into be put into motion as well. There are no criminal allegations against him. There are complaints, but everything is civil right now. So that's why the settlement process could still play out. And it might be swept under the rug and kept pretty hush hush to the public mm-hmm. knowledge. Now I'm sure guys like Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter probably could get their nose under it and and reveal it to everyone, but yeah. I don't think you're going to fully hear it all. So what's next for Watson? Is it really like I said, if the Texans trade Watson, they they've been in prelim- preliminary discussions with other teams, but there haven't been serious offers and and there won't be until teams know that he won't be put on that exempt list or he's proven guilty or innocent. Um, If Goodell puts Watson on the exempt list, and this is the section that I was looking for earlier, it would prevent Watson from playing, but allow him to be paid. And the CBA says Goodell could put Watson on the list under three circumstances. That is first when a player is formally charged with a felony offense or a crime of violence, meaning that he is accused of having used physical force or a weapon to injure or threaten a person or animal engaged in a sexual assault, which is the golden ticket right there with Watson. And I I won't go into the whole legality of everything that they mention under one. Uh, The second one or excuse me, the third one in cases in which a violation relating to a crime of violence is alleged, but further investigation is required. That's the ticket on the third one. The commissioner may place a player on the commissioner exempt list on a limited and temporary basis to permit the league to conduct its own preliminary investigation. So the point is that even if he is proven innocent through civil court, the settlement happens. You don't really hear much about it. The NFL can have their own investigation, and that's where you could say, okay, Watson's suspended. Um, it seems unlikely at this point because where the lawsuits stand in the short time. But over time, if this doesn't go away, the NFL will conduct its own investigation. I'll be sure of that. Um, we – I mean, we talked about the teams that could be interested in Watson. I think the Eagles make the most sense. I think the Broncos make sense as well. Um, other teams that have been linked um, were the Miami Dolphins and the Carolina Panthers. Now the Panthers have Sam Darnold, but the but, but but the Dolphins with Tua sending Tua to Houston. When these reports came out originally, Miami was the logical fitting point for Watson. I, I, I've, and I personally thought that would be a great trade. Send to it to Houston, bring in Watson, Miami, all of a sudden in my eyes is the favorite in the AFC East, but mm-hmm. we're so far away from even knowing what Deshaun Watson's future in the NFL is going to be that. I'm not sure you're going to see a trade anytime soon. Yeah, exactly. Like I, it's so hard to make trades for players when, their whole entire future is up in the air. The only thing that I would say maybe is if a team is desperate enough. I, I think, see, like teams like the Eagles, especially when I think about it, you didn't see much of Jalen Hurts. So to judge him on what he's done so far, I think is unfair to him. He did look not great at times. He looked serviceable at other times. And so it's kind of like, I think for the Eagles sake, I think it would behoove them 
to play out this season, let Watson's, you know, legal troubles lie where they lie. See what you have in Jalen Hurts. If he's average, maybe include him in the trade. If he's above average, barring on like, you know, ranging on great or or you know, a, an above average quarterback, then maybe you keep him. If you're the same thing goes for the Denver Broncos. I mean, Drew Locke is is Drew Locke. According to some people, he's one of the you know top ten young quarterbacks in the league. But um, according to us, I don't think we believe much in Drew Locke. So maybe if you're Denver, you roll the dice and you just say, okay, we'll take Watson. What is it going to be a suspended for, really? Like in all seriousness, if the NFL really does make its own investigation, what's the maximum they could possibly give him? for a non-violent, albeit sexually 12 related games. 12 crime. games. Yeah, exactly. 12 games, which is, you know, a good chunk of one season. But if you lock him up for seasons to come, he's still young. He's still one of the best young quarterbacks in the league, I believe. I really well, like Sean Watson. And it goes um, and it goes to the point more than you're getting one of the best, in my opinion, a top five quarterback in all of football. Agreed. You have to view how are people going to react to having Deshaun Watson? How are people going to view your organization? How are the players in the locker room going to view Deshaun Watson? And when it comes to the Eagles, like I personally, as, as a player, I would love Deshaun Watson on the Eagles. I think that makes them one of the top teams in the NFC. Like I said, they're a contending team, a quarterback away in my, in my view, especially bringing in Steven Nelson at corner, solidifying that defense. But the questions around Jalen Hurts, man, I can't, I can't get past how bad I think Jalen Hurts is. However, you see all offseason, you know, Jalen Hurts was organizing all these workouts and um, really getting to know. I mean, they drafted Devontae Smith. They were teammates in Alabama. They were working out together all offseason. Miles Sanders was with them. All, the rest of the receiving crew was with them. The offensive line spent time with Jalen Hurts, and he's been really embracing being the quarterback for this team, which you have to respect either way. You may not like him or not. And I don't like him, but um, you know, I think at this point, the Eagles are going to give Jalen that fair shot. And, and I think at this point too, like the Broncos are kind of at that point where drew lock is taking QB one reps. Um, mm-hmm. Teddy Bridgewater is your backup. You know what they both are at this point. And they're both just not good. I mean, they're, they're not Deshaun not, Watson. That's for they're sure. not Deshaun Watson. That that is for sure. So they make a whole lot of sense, but none of it is going to happen anytime soon. Um, we'll get if into I'm more. Eagles, tr- sorry, if I'm the Eagles, I'm in in no rush unless you hear like definitive like the Broncos are moving to try to do it, and at that point it becomes kind of like a, a little bidding war. But if I'm the Eagles, I'm sitting back and just being like, we'll let it lie if. If he doesn't play at all this year, if he sits out the entire year, then that's great. He has a year of rest. He's not going to get injured. He's just going to be chilling there, and he'll be well, ready to go whenever we're ready. And it gives them time. I mean, you never know. Jalen and Jalen might be good. Jalen might be good. I'm not saying he is. I don't think he is. But uh, how many games did he start? Four. He was year. one and three. Yeah, and exactly. had the worst passer rating over those four weeks. Yeah, and, and Wentz was terrible on that team too. So. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, you shut your, your team mouth. was bad around him. I yes, think it, was. Give it, it was. Bad. A, a no, and, and I think this front office is at the point of giving Jalen that opportunity. And I think, look, if the Eagles find a diamond in the rough in Jalen Hurts, say he looks like he can be an NFL caliber starting quarterback in this league, you have four, potentially four first round picks to do something else with. 
to make mm. your team better, not spend it all on, you know, Deshaun Watson. So there is a plus and minus to all of it, but we will have plenty of time over this uh, coming month and season to talk about Deshaun Watson if if need be. Um, your Colts, Frank Reich, head coach, entered training camp, was positive for COVID. He is on the quarantine list. No symptoms, but we wish. What's that? I have some thoughts uh, if we can talk about it quickly. The the whole the thing that came out where the NFL was like, if your team has COVID because of unvaccinated people and we can't reschedule the games, you're you're shit out of luck and we're gonna have you're gonna have to forfeit. That worries me because it's been reported that the Colts are one of the two teams with the lowest vaccination rate. And it's already started with the coach before training camp even starts. So let me just say I'm a little bit worried because I think the Colts could be one of those teams that gets an outbreak among the unvaccinated people, especially and has to forfeit a game or two. And I, it, 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 they did say that it was, if they couldn't reschedule it, and I don't see why they couldn't reschedule it unless they were just being, well, if being it, like we won't, if it turns into a more than one week thing, like we saw last year with, with yes. some teams that then yes. it would become a, a problem. Um, Pittsburgh kind of thing. Correct. If we've seen, you know, we, we've seen Deandre Hopkins, Darius Slay among players show their, um, displeasure i guess i should i should say about the harsh penalties about not being vaccinated um you Mm -hmm. know you you can have your opinions on whether you should be vaccinated or not um but the nfl is choosing to go the scientific route and if the players aren't along with it i mean it's it's going to be tough luck and the nfl Mm -hmm. has been the harshest on that stance out of all four leagues um which is good on them they're not going to try and sugarcoat anything at this point and they're going to move forward if if you're not with them they'll leave you behind and those are the teams at risk like you said the Colts are at risk I don't know I don't think numbers have come out yet on who's the most vaccinated I know there's at eight to nine teams at this point that are over the 85 percent threshold and there's only like four yeah. or five that are under 50 so and the Colts are one of them and the Colts are one of them. So I forget who the other team was, but it was like the Colts were one of the two lowest, like forty percent vaccine. I don't even personally. I don't even. I don't even know the Eagles number. I don't think that's ever come out. That that's something I would have seen. It's only but, come out if it was like super important. And right. the Colts are is the number is super important because it's so low, and so it worries me. And I don't. I don't feel bad for the players like DeAndre Hopkins and stuff because the NFL isn't mandating that you get vaccinated. It's just saying if you choose to not get vaccinated then we're not going to cater to you, which makes total sense. And I'm in total agreement with that. Let's talk this MLB hot stove, because there are a lot of trades that could go down here in, in, in the next couple of, uh, of days here. And even by the time the show airs, who knows what's going to happen? Uh, there's a lot of eyes on a whole lot of people. Where's Max Scherzer going to go? Where is Chris Bryant? Craig Kimbrell of the Cubs? Javi Baez? Where is he going to go? Andrew Chafin has gone to the Athletics as one of the pieces already. The Phillies are in talks. They're finalizing that deal now. It's It has hit a snag a bit. Um, I'm getting my phone blasted as we're recording this that it's delayed, but the Phillies had agreed to a trade with the Pirates to acquire Tyler Anderson, one of the Pirates pitchers. So starting pitching is starting to come off the table. Um, we had sent out a tweet 
before we recorded the show with, you know, what do you guys want us to talk about? And we had a Mets inquiry. We had um, obviously the Cubs and Chris Bryant. So we will get to that. Um, let's start though. And, and I, and we'll get to a lot of the teams that our fan base follows, but I want to start off with the New York Yankees. Um, mm-hmm. Rough weekend uh, to say the least. Uh, against the Boston, oh, against the Boston Red Sox, yeah. Especially However, they are they are trying. They are going to be buyers at this trade deadline. How big of buyers, we don't know. What's going to change, we don't know. But we do know something has to change. It came mm-hmm. out yesterday, on Monday, that the New York Yankees have made a trade offer to the Colorado Rockies for. Trevor Story. And now this is something that has been kind of linked for a couple years now, right? Trevor Story, potentially a landing spot in free agency to go to the Yankees. Well, they're mm-hmm. they're trying to get us head start on that. Um, there's no evidence of any traction at this point per John Heyman. Buster Olney reported last week that the Yankees had checked in, um, but the Rockies are in full sale, fire sale mode, and the Yankees are one of those teams that Maybe you pair Glaber Torres in this trade, uh, reconfigure your infield a little bit. Um, however, Trevor Story is having a down year, which is going to complicate things. He only has 12 home runs and 46 RBI through 85 games, and half of that has been out in Denver. So he's been having a down year. He's battled right elbow inflammation already this season, which can explain his underwhelming production at the plate, I think. But if I'm the Yankees, um, you have to change something. And I know they're in for starting pitching. Um, They have inquired about Max Scherzer. However, just like the Mets, and we'll get to the Mets in a minute, um, the belief is Max Scherzer would waive his 10-5 no-trade clause um, if he is sent to the Yankees because he does not have interest in going to that. He wants to go to a complete contender. The Yankees mm-hmm. may end up being a contender, but they certainly aren't right now. Sit, I mean, they are three and a half games out of the wild card, but you're sitting nine and a half out of first place in the AL East. This is a Yankees team that needs to figure it out. And fast Aaron Boone's job is on the line. He has botched the bullpen <laughs> royally and as well as many lineup decisions. Um However, I don't put this all on Aaron, uh, Aaron Boone. Brian Cashman is to blame. This is a mm-hmm. horribly, horribly constructed team. Um, getting no production out of the left side of the plate when you have that short porch out in the field. This is a Yankees team in trouble. They don't have the momentum to get anything going. Every time you think they're back in it, they do something stupid like they did over the past weekend against the Red Sox. So... Mm-hmm. Taylor, as a resident Yankees fan, what do you think this team needs to do? Here at Godzilla Media, we're so happy to bring you all this coverage of all different sports, takes, opinions, personalities, and more. And we're able to do that thanks to great people like our friends over at Johnstone Supply in Troy. Johnstone Supply in Troy has been serving the Capital Region since 1945 for all your HVAC needs. And they always go out to support local small businesses. We're talking about a place right there on 6th Avenue in Troy that can help you and your home today. Now, if you have more information about Johnstone Supply in Troy, hit up my guy Tom. George is the best. And by the way, if you've missed more about Johnstone Supply in Troy, 
Check out an old episode of Getting There with Goss where you can go back and learn more about the business and how they got to where they are today. Call them today at 518-272-5922. Again, 518-272-5922. And don't forget to follow them on Facebook as well. Facebook.com slash Johnstone Supply Troy NY. Inside your home, you're always taking care of it. HVAC needs and more. Johnstone Supply in Troy wants to help you continue to enjoy the best home you can. So whether it's heating, ventilating, or air conditioning services, Johnstone Supply in Troy is ready to work with you. Now back to this Godzilla Media podcast. Um, well, Scherzer would be great. I mean, obviously. Realistic. I don't think it's going to happen. Realistic. Real- realistically. Getting Trevor Story would help, I think, but I wouldn't want to lose Glaber Torres to do it because I, the, I think the move would be, you know, you get Trevor Story to play a shortstop and you move Glaber over to second base where I think he he's at his best. Um, so I, I don't know if you pair it with like a, a DJ LeMahieu and try to try to get Story that way or just try to go just straight up give them one of your best prospects and hope that you get a story that's more productive than he is right now. Obviously you were talking about how his injuries, his injuries are holding him back this season. Um, but it's not even just the infield that the Yankees need help with. It's, it's outfield help, especially with Aaron judge being in and out of the lineup, whether for injuries or for COVID, which he just came back from COVID just uh, as a side note that just popped up on my screen, um, cleared the COVID list, but, I don't know. The Yankees need a lot of help. They need not only do they need, you know, batting help and some left-handed batters, which would help a lot, um, but they need starting pitching is something they could use too. So I don't know if there's a one-stop shop, one thing that the Yankees could do uh, at the trade deadline to to push them forward. But I also don't know how much they want to leverage their future for a season right now that just seems lost because like you said, it, it does seem like they win a couple games and they get on a roll and you're like, okay, are they going to make a push, make a push? Like, you know, the time is running out for them to make a push. And if they're not going to make it now, then when, and every time they start, they seemingly face the Red Sox and it just all falls apart again or some other team. And you're just, you're left with your head scratching. So like, I, I don't know if it's, if there's one thing they can do, whether they want to be ultimate buyers and make a couple moves like big moves, like trading for Trevor story and then trying, trying to get some more help uh, in the outfield or pitching wise. So I, I don't know if there's one thing that they can do. And I don't know if this season is the season to go all in on is what I'm saying. Like if, if you were, if you were say in second place and only a couple games out of like the division lead, not a couple games out of the wild card, then maybe I say you sell the farm and like almost literally uh, sell the farm and, and try to make that big push. But right now as a Yankees fan, I want Boone probably out. I would love Cashman out. Like I want a complete reset of this team and a, a retooling. And I think, I don't think this is the year to sell everything and, and try to go for it when you're not even that close. Like you're, you're a couple bad series away from being totally out of the playoffs, much less a couple of good series away from like making a big splash in the playoffs. So let's stick to 
the New York teams for a second. We'll, you know, we'll see what the Yankees do. We'll report it, keep it everything locked into our sports page because if something happens, we will report it as soon as we can. Um, the Mets, and obviously there's there's been rumblings about Chris Bryant being interested, maybe J.D. Davis going back. Um, the Cubs are definitely at the point of fire sailing. You don't have Francisco Lindor now to at least mid to late August from what we're hearing. So the Mets also being down pitching. You brought in Rich Hill already. They are interested in Max Scherzer as well. And this Max Scherzer thing, he's not scheduled to pitch on Thursday as of now. They're kind of holding him back, and that is really showing signs of he will be traded. And that that would be the storyline trade if that does happen. The Mets have been reported as one of those teams that are interested in him. However, it has been reported that around the league, there is about, quote, absolutely zero chance the Nationals trade their three-time Cy Young winner to the division rival New York Mets, and which makes sense. However, it is also reported that Scherzer would probably waive his 10-5 again if he goes to the Mets because he wants to go preferably to the West Coast to a contending team. With that being said, the Dodgers, the Padres, and watch out for the Padres because they're making moves and they aren't done. And the Giants are the three teams that are supposed to be the favorites for Max Scherzer's uh, services. The Padres have already made a couple moves. The Dodgers are without Bauer probably for the rest of the year, I think it would be safe to say. They don't even, the players don't even want him to come back, even if he could. Right, at this makes, point, which makes complete sense. I mean, it is what it is. Now. Um, you're without Clayton Kershaw for the time being. All of a sudden, your pitching depth is shot. You're trying to keep pace. Now, uh, those two, the two teams that don't win the NL West are going to be the two wildcard teams. Let's be clear about that. But the Dodgers need that depth if they want to defend their World Series title. And Max Scherzer would be as good as any to help with that, and you are going to get Kershaw back at this point, but don't bank on Bauer. Um, Scherzer's an interesting name to keep an eye on. I, I think if you're the Mets at this point, you're looking something more. Uh, you're going to be kind of dumpster diving, looking for that diamond in the rough, whether it be John Gray, uh, uh, Drew Smiley, um, Mike Miner, maybe a Jay Happ, a Michael Pineda, <clears throat> Jose Quintana, John Lesser, guys like that. Something that can give you innings and hopefully stay healthy at the at this point. Um, but in terms of the Mets going star hunting, don't expect it. They're already reported out on Jose Barrios as well. They were? Yes, they are reportedly out. On Jose oh, Barrios. Because that that's what I was going to bring up. I hadn't no. heard that they were out on um, um, Poor, per John Heyman, and this was this morning around 10 o'clock, Twins ready. Jose Barrios mm-hmm. is not a Mets target at this time in fitting with the point that New York prefers rentals so that they don't deplete their farm system. That's fair, I guess. But I would think at some point you'd want to make a put, especially when you're, are they, they're still leading the division, correct? Three and a half Phillies are yeah. three and a half back and coming on strong. 
Okay, so I don't see why you wouldn't want to sacrifice. Like, all right, so what the comparison I literally just made, where the Yankees are three games out of the wild card, and I don't think that it's time for them to sell the farm and try to try to make that push. The Mets are in the opposite situation where they literally are leading the division. And I think if any a time, now is the time to push. Now is the time to go for Barrios and try to get that you can have him be a long-term option. And if you paired it with someone, I mean, it might be a stretch, but trying to get like Donaldson as well. And that would fill another positional need for the Mets. So if I'm the Mets, I push now because you're already leading the division. So now you're not even just pushing for the playoffs. You're already, you're not locked in, but you know, you're competing and you're up there right now. You're holding strong for the moment in the playoffs. Push for the world series, push it now. Try to get Chris Bryant or Josh Donaldson and Barrios if you can, and and solidify. Especially because you, you know your starter, obviously your your main gun is Degrom, but he's in and out of the lineup so much because I think he just throws so hard and so ridiculously that his arm just literally can't handle it. But yeah, I, if I'm the Mets, I push. I don't I don't know why. I like I get the wanting to save your farm system and you don't want to like sell it all, but to a point, I think at some point you need to make make the move. When you're in when your window is coming, championship windows are so small and fleeting sometimes that if you're on the cusp of it, I think you should push for it. That's just my thing. So the NL East right now, as as it stands, the Phillies are three and a half behind the Mets and the Braves are five. The Nationals are clearly at the point now where they believe they're selling, and then the the Marlins are even further back. They're about 11 or 12 games out, I believe. Um, with the Mets, not really sure what they're doing. You have the Phillies that are acquiring Tyler Anderson. They're not done. Are interested in Craig Kimbrell from the Cubs. They're interested in Richard Rodriguez from the Pirates. They might go and get another depth signing. They might sign Cole Hamels as well. And then you have the Braves, who haven't made any moves yet. Um, they haven't made any indication that they're sellers being five games out. They are reportedly in on guys that the Mets are in on, that the Phillies are in on. So these teams, the Braves and the Phillies, are seeing the window to come and chase the Mets. You would think with the new ownership group that the Mets have, not trying to repeat past mistakes, that the Mets would go out and get this thing. So far, they haven't. I would believe maybe even by the time the show's show airs that we might be wrong on this. Um, now, keep in mind that Chris Bryant's name is out there. Kyle Gibson's name is out there. Um, before we go on to our next spot, which is going to be Olympics, we'll, we'll close out with the Olympics this week. I want to talk about Chris Bryant because that's the name everybody keeps bringing up. The Rays are a team to watch. And we talked about this mm-hmm. with your, with your Yankees, right? If you're, yep. if you're the Yankees and you are trying to fight for that wild card, guess what? The Rays are a team that are right there with you fighting for uh-huh. a wild card spot. Cause I don't think you're chasing down the Red Sox at this point for the division title. I think the Red Sox are going to find their way. Watch the cut. I keep going back to the Cubs. The Cubs are going to have a fire. sale. Anthony Rizzo is reported to be a favorite of, the Red Sox, as well as bringing back Kimbrel. They might bring back Kimbrel. Not that they need Kimbrel, but they might bring him back to bolster that back into the rotation. Uh, just to 
turn the knife a little more for you. Adam Adovino has been fantastic for them this year. I've also heard trade uh, rumors about Javier Baez that he might be on the move as well. Right. Uh, Javi Baez could be on the move as well, but I, I want to get to Pryor here. The Rays, obviously, big pre-deadline splash and acquiring Nelson Cruz. They're adding that pop. They've had preliminary discussions about Max Scherzer, and they're also in discussions for Kyle Gibson and Chris Bryant. The Rays, all of a sudden, you know, they they brought up Wander Franco. Wander Franco is there. All of a sudden, the Rays are kind of seeing that they've been able to maintain with their system a very competitive baseball team, and they see AL West that with the Yankees struggling and the Red Sox being a good team, a first place team, but nothing I would be scared of if I'm the Rays. Outside of that, the AL West is wide open. Absolutely wide open. Chris Bryant, my goodness, if you put Chris Bryant into a Rays uniform, adding both Nelson Cruz and Chris Bryant will represent a major boost to an already solid Tampa Bay lineup. Um, KB would bring the versatility that DH only player like Nelson Cruz lacks. So you get somebody in the field, um, you can use them now. Keep uh, watch the Phillies on Chris Bryan as well, because him and Bryce Harper are boys and Bryce Harper has been pushing ownership for this. And they have Alec Bohm is not materializing like they expected. So watch the Phillies on this as well. But KB is a guy that he can play in the outfield and he can play any corner and field position. This is a guy that could put the Rays over the top. I th- personally, I think Chris Bryant is going to go to the Rays. From what it sounds like, I would love him in Philadelphia, but yeah. the Rays are looking for that splash that they very rarely make. And I would keep an I would keep an eye on him. Yeah, I also heard Chris Bryant to the Rays, and uh, yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think that makes that the Rays even scarier than they already were, especially you know. They were just in the World Series, and to say that they 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 could come out get Chris Bryant, reinforce everything that they had, and just keep that push, they could definitely win um, the AL East, and they could they could they could repeat, go back to the to the World Series. I I could see it happening. The Red Sox only scare you if you're the Yankees because they just have their number this year, and it's awful, especially as a Yankees fan. It's awful, but you know. I, I I think the Rays, if they if they made without Chris Bryant, they could still make a push and for the for the World Series. And if they add him, that just makes that team all the scarier. I wouldn't want to be part of it. In, in my opinion, and we'll we'll have to do a winners and losers at the trade deadline segment next week because we obviously don't know by the time this show airs and when we record, obviously, who would be winners and losers at the deadline. We still have the rest of the week to get through. Um, but it's starting to heat up, so keep it locked into all our Twitter accounts that, you know, it's all below. It's been playing all show long at sports underscore um, podcast, as well as mine at zebras 21 and T lats two T's and two S's. Keep it locked in there as well as the MLB hot stove heats up. What else is heating up are the temperatures and it's summertime and it is trade in vehicle season. So a lot of people want to trade in their car right now and, this is the time to do it. The money is as good as ever. So you go to a dealer and you want to trade in your car right now. Every dealer wants your card right now because they're selling like hotcakes. They can't keep them in the lot. 
there's a shortage of inventory in the market, believe it or not. And so you trade it in and get the money in your hands. But now what? You don't really have anything to buy because all these sellers don't have anything. Do this. Go to Mohawk Honda because not only do they give you that top dollar for your trade-in that I just mentioned, they also have acres and acres of inventory for you to choose from. So you don't have to worry about not having a selection. They have the largest inventory of vehicles in the entire capital region in upstate New York. And that means you can choose the one that's right for you. So sure, some other dealers talk about their values and what they can do for you. But at Mohawk Honda, they'd rather show you theirs. And that would be in the value in the selection. And more importantly, the value at how you're treated in Mohawk Honda. I say time and time again on this show, how well I am treated there. If I have something minor that needs to be done to the core, done to the car, or something major, they always take care of you. So don't feel pressured into going and buying something from another dealer because that's the best they can do when you settle and you're not totally happy with it. Go to Mohawk Honda because there you'll get that vehicle you deserve. Their vast selection of certified pre-owned vehicles is guaranteed to fit your needs, your lifestyle, and not the other dealer's quote-unquote values. So this summer, selection is king, and no one has more to choose from than Mohawk Honda where they always go out of their way to please you. Taylor, I said I wanted to close this show on the Olympics, and it has been its been an eventful week. Um, it hasn't been a great week. Uh, <laughs> I told everyone, I warned you all, and Taylor said, oh, we're okay, because we won our last two exhibition games. Team USA laid a clunker against France to open up the Olympics. Not only did they get gut punched by France, led by Evan Fournier and Rudy Gobert. Watch out. <laughs> All-stars. They lost 83-76 to 76 to open the Tokyo Olympics this past Sunday, and it snapped a 25-game Olympic winning streak that dated back to 2004 when they lost to Argentina. This is a team, the final three. So the Americans managed to get five shots off in one of their final possessions. Missed all of them. <laughs> the final three were wide open three-point attempts. One of the France Lee. players was on the ground during this whole stretch. Keep in, yeah, keep in mind that France had a player laying on the ground they were, they were playing, during this time. They were playing five on four in the last like 20 to 30 seconds. Zach Levine. Kevin Durant and Drew Holiday all missed wide-open three-point attempts. Mm. Oh, and by the way, those three had more fouls than points in this matchup, which is just fantastic. I mean, just just really good basketball, guys. Um, this is embarrassing. Uh, the French won bronze at the World Cup, but uh, their talent does not compare to that of the Americans. And it does not explain how a U.S. team built for scoring, built for shooting, went an unexplainable four and a half minutes down the stretch without a basket. They were up 74 to 71 and lost 83 to 76. You are the United States of freaking America with the best <laughs> player in the world. And you let. Vincent Poirier, Rudy Gobert, and Fournier to 
and all these other yays and all these other French dweebs go out there and beat you on a basketball court? I don't know. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. After France went to the double big man lineup after falling behind by 10 early in the third quarter, the U.S. scored just 29 points in the last 18 minutes. Draymond, where you at? Bam, where you at? KD, you're the best player in the world, supposedly. Where you at? Dane, where you at? This team is embarrassing. (laughs) Absolutely embarrassing. I told you all that there is something to be worried about, and my God, there's more to be worried about than I thought. Hey, they got. They had to go up against the Stifle Tower in uh, Rudy Gobert, Again, and anyone doesn't break. know the FIBA rules. There is no three-second violation. So, I mean, <laughs> Gobert yeah, can just pay, plant himself in the paint and just be the Stifle Tower, protecting the rim for as long as he pleases. That being said, still, it's embarrassing. And the stat of the day, I think, for this U.S. Team USA team, um, I'm gonna bring it back to Luca. You know how I love Luca. Luca. Oh, I saw the stat. Yeah, in his in his debut, scored forty eight points. Bryce, <laughs> do you know how many points all of the Team USA starters scored combined? Do you know? Was it like forty three or forty two? Forty three. Yeah, forty three. Yeah. Luca by himself outscored the, the starters. entire yeah. starting lineup oh. combined, not individually, not as in he scored more than. Each one of them individually combined, he scored more than all of them combined. That is insane. That is an insane stat. That should never happen. What are you doing? Like, I don't know who to blame. I don't know if it's the players. Oh, I know who to blame. I play, or I if know it's who Greg to blame. Popovich. It's it's somebody who got out coached by Vincent Collier. It's yeah. Greg Popovich. Greg Popovich. I mean, come on. Coach man. K would never. Coach, Coach K, K would, would never. Never. He um, would never. You know. Popovich does all the talk about how they're fine, how you have, you know, he said, well, we have a history of dominance, maybe not always blowing people out, but we have a history of winning. Um, oh, that's a, a straight up. That's a straight up lie because we, we do literally have a history of blowing everyone out. That's why it's always a joke when we go to the Olympics with the team. Uh, team and USA it's fun to watch. I love watching us blow out, out everybody. I love I like watching it. 164 to 93. Team USA beats Nigeria. That's what we're used to. Not Nigeria wins. France wins. And USA can't get a freaking win. Um, in the group was, stages. This was by far um, Kevin Durant's worst game of his storied storied olympic career he got in foul trouble and shot four of 12 he struggled against gobert on switches forced him from the floor after he had a hot start scored seven points in the opening minutes he ended up fouling out in just 21 minutes Uh, the americans now you have to win your final two games just to get to the medal round Mm-hmm. When this show's airs on Wednesday morning, the United States plays Iran, and I've been joking about this matchup <laughs> for weeks now, ever since we started talking about Team USA and their struggles. They play Iran at 12:30 on Wednesday. They open up Taylor as 41 and a half point favorites. <laughs> If See, that's you, what I'm used to in the Team you, USA. Like, that's that's what it should be. Like, we should always be, like, 40-point favorites. If We're you playing look, with 
the best players in the world team, against role this, players mostly. If this team loses to Iran, so help me God. I you don't want me on this think, show next week. I think Twitter will burn down. You if, do if, <laughs> like if, NBA if, Twitter will just burn down. Oh my god. Oh my god. Could you imagine? <laughs> The slander. Like, uh, is there even is there even anybody in the NBA from Iran? I don't think so. Um, I don't. Not off the top of my head. Not off, maybe. So after Iran, if it matters, they play the Czech Republic. Um, no one you, who's a star is from Iran. I, I mean, I, I'm that. reading these two matchups: Iran and the Czech Republic, and I laugh. But how can I laugh? You just lost to France. So well, at least France has has Rudy Gobert and Evan Forty. <laughs> Like Evan Fournier is a serviceable like rotation player, but he's not Kevin supposed Durant, to be the guy Draymond who Green, the Bam Adebayo, Dame Lillard. The list goes on and on. Taylor, I just Jason I Tatum. mean they're Tatum. Yeah, you're are, you're an NBA All Star team. Middleton literally just won a championship. I mean, Drew Holiday actually was probably the best player on the team for Team USA. So credit to Drew Holiday. He scored 18, which is Wasn't he's supposed enough. to do off the Wasn't bench. Enough. He, he's supposed to do that. It's I supposed know. to be the start. I'm, just, I'm just being grumpy more. at this point. But yeah. Um, other other other. Let's move on to other Olympics. <laughs> Gaz wants to talk about the the diving that sucked because that was absolutely hilarious. I Did mean, you see I, that? Did you see that? Yeah, that was hilarious. No, I, right. Poor guy. If you guys haven't yeah, seen this on I mean. social media, please Google it. I mean, <laughs> I maybe maybe once I become an expert at our streaming system, I can play the videos on our stream. I might have to talk to Gaz about that. But search up this video. It was was it a Chinese diver? Um, I'm not I'm not really sure on who it was. Um, but it went viral. You're an Olympian. He might have been Korean or something. You're an Olympian. And your first dive right off the Olympics. I think this was one of the first events, too, because everybody's like the Olympics are off to a great start. Just absolute face plant. And then didn't he didn't he smack uh, do a back plant on a second try? <laughs> yeah, he did like like basically just like a gainer. And a Poor belly fella. flop the first time. I mean, okay, I I haven't trained, and if I got up there, I'm not saying I could do much better. But I'm not trying at the Olympics to do it. And like, maybe you got to know your limitations because you just did that in front of the entire world. And maybe he got his his score was zero. His score was zeros across the board. Zero. <laughs> I do the Bart Simpson. At least you tried, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> and like, yeah, there's there's that. It's like, well, I mean, you went out there and tried. You put your you put your just, put yourself on the line there, and you flopped. I, I just literally, literally, I just watched it again. You just give <laughs> you pull up the audio. You just hear <laughs> us. <laughs> uh, and, I mean, and then he, 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 and then he looked the up like he. But no, the thing is, he looked up and thought he did good. He was like, "What did I get? What did I get?" Zero. You just see the coach like shaking his head, looking down at him. Like it's been a, it's been a bad Olympics. It, it's been bad. It was like they had to fill. They, they they had like six spots they had to fill, and they only had five divers. So they just grabbed someone off the street, be like, "You want to dive? Sure, let's go. Sure, why not?" I mean, he I, does get the benefit of the empty stadium, though. Like I feel like I don't know if he could have done that or would have done that if I was, the stadium I, was full. I of have people. watched very. I watched obviously the U.S. game, but outside of that, 
I have not watched the I, I mean I'll watch it if I have it on the TV on the side, but I have not watched the Olympics. I mean whatsoever. how about Simone Biles pulling yeah. out of the pulling out and team USA losing? And can I also say I I don't fully understand how Russia is at the Olympics because I it was on my understanding that the country of Russia it's has not, been banned. It's not the country. It's, it's, it's the, the Russian, Russian. It's the Russian Olympic Olympic committee. committee, which is bullshit, in my opinion. I mean, I I don't want to like disparage all these 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 uh athletes who came for Russia and didn't have anything to do with the doping. But I mean, if if you're gonna let the Russian Olympic Committee go, just why not just call them Russia because that's what you're calling them. Like yeah. you, the people, the ROC. But it's like it's like who won the gymnastics Olympics? Well, Russia did. Let's let's hey, touch on Simone before we I, and I have I have a really good story that I that I need to share with you. But let, let's get serious for a second and talk Simone. Um, it you know, it has come out, obviously, that she left the women's gymnastics team um, at the Tokyo Games because she was afraid she would be injured if she continued in a rattled state of mind. Um, it's be, it's coming out that she probably will not compete in her individual events either. Um, it sucks. It came out that, you know, you know, she said she's fighting all those demons, couldn't hold them back. Um, it might be her final Olympics. Um, that's the hard part. She's one of the best gymnasts out there ever, ever. Um, it was it was stunning to hear. It's been just another, you know, dagger to the side of the headlines of these Olympics. Um, she dominated at the team event. I mean, everybody thought she was set up for a lot of success out in Tokyo. And this comes that only she can do. Like, yeah, this comes hours after Naomi Osaka, who was upset in the third round of the women's single tennis tournament pulled out who spoke of buckling under the high demands of the Olympic stage, having lit the Olympic cauldron carried the expectation of her home country, Japan, and for her to win gold. Um, this has been an unimaginable um, turn of events for the Olympics period. It's very rare that you see athletes admit to significant doubts during the games withdrawing an event because you worked so hard to get there and this is the culmination of who knows what the difference is is it is it putting too much pressure on yourself is it the fact that you're not you can't have your friends and family there not having the fans there the the continuous worry about maybe getting covid getting sick um not knowing what you're going to be doing day in day out the strict guidelines that are out there it's not an enjoyable atmosphere to say the least out in japan so i can only imagine what these athletes are going under um the stress the pressure all while trying to compete and succeed in the olympics keep in mind i, I mean some of these people are you know 20 30 years old uh, not even 30 years old i mean they're in their young 20s um when it comes to Biles, um, she's you know she's only twenty four. 
Mm-hmm. But keep in mind that she has gone through the stress of being the face of the games for NBC. She talked about her abuse at the hands of Larry Nasser. Mm-hmm. She tried to manage her sponsor obligations while preparing for the Olympics. Then she had to go to the Olympics, deal with all of this. Most, most athletes don't go to the Olympics being a diplomat at the same time while trying mm-hmm. to focus on being an athlete. So for being a 24-year-old person, this is a huge burden for her, and, and it sucks. I wish her nothing but the best, and I hope she can compete again. I'd love to see her again in four years um, when she'd be 28, but who knows if that's really realistic at this point. Um, but it, it just sucks on top of everything that we've already been dealt in the one week of these Olympics going on. Yeah. And obviously you feel for Simone and you support her decision to focus on her mental health. Who cares about the gold medals when it comes down to it? I mean, they're just medals. Um, We'd like to see her compete, obviously, because we want her to represent our country and she's one of the best to ever do it. And I'd like to see her succeed. And so I hope she can, uh, as far as we we're seeing here is she's taking today or well Wednesday, which will be the day that this comes out. You're listening. It's today, um, as a mental health day, like a mental rest day. And that she'll see how she feels going into Thursday and the individual all around whether or not she will compete. I hope she does, but only if she's, you know, mentally able to, um, and it's this year has been you know, it's been a taking a toll on all of us. It's not just like, I think everyone understands at this point what it, it everyone's going through. And, and they, I feel like being at this Olympics in this particular country at this time with everything going on, it's almost like you went through all of COVID, right? All of last year, all of this year, things at least here, you know, Delta variant aside are starting to get back to semi normal to where if you're vaccinated, you can not wear your mask out most places and whatnot. And then, well, starting today that changed again. Yeah, I know. I know the CDC, whatever, not, but they haven't made it everywhere all the time. If you're vaccinated, just at this point, it's just like, if you're in like trouble areas where it spreads and if you're in schools, you have, you're supposed to wear masks, but um, going from, almost semi-normal and competing and whatever training under that circumstances. And then to go to this Olympics. And then I feel like it's almost like a blast from the past. Now going to this Olympics, you feel like you're back right in, you know, it right in the thick of it last year where you're, you're, you don't have the crowd. You're not allowed to really socialize with other athletes. You're discouraged from doing so because they don't want any COVID to spread between the athletes in this bubble, uh, an air quotes bubble that they've created. Cause it's nowhere near the bubble like that the NBA had, but so I can imagine that that takes uh, a lot of a toll on you and you know, we hope that she competes obviously representing the United States and for herself, because we know she's, she would win. At least I believe she would win that the team I think would have won if she competed. And I think she definitely is a shoe in to win the, the individual all around if she does compete. Um, but yeah, I, it, it's it's sad to see, but also you understand where she's coming from. I think we've all had a hard year, and on the one side, obviously we want her to to get right, but I also hope that she can overcome it and then come out and win because that's just like another reason to bring us all together 
and just like celebrate that you can overcome mental illness and still compete at such a high level and be the best in the world. So, you know, if she plays, she plays and I'm rooting for her too. But if she doesn't, I support her either way. I think we all do. Um, it's a hard year. It's a hard year. COVID, COVID has sucked. Really hard. To say the least. Yeah, I, I think everybody's in agreement on that. I do want to get to one last story before we go. Did you hear about Morocco's boxer, Yunus Bala? No, of course no. you haven't. He was disqualified from the Olympics for pulling a Mike Tyson. He attempted to bite the ear of New Zealand boxer David Nyika uh, in their bout the other day. The two-time Commonwealth Games gold medalist was dominating Bala in the first two rounds of the men's heavyweight round of 16 when a frustrated Bala attempted to bite the ear of Nyika. Nyika responded he didn't get a full mouthful. Luckily, he had his mouth guard in, and I was a bit sweaty. I don't remember what I said to him, but I gave him a little bit of a cheek. Um, there is video, and I mean, he does. He tries to go full Tyson on him. Nyika won the fight 5 nothing. said this wasn't his first brush with the Mike Tyson-like move. Um, he said he has been bitten. He was bitten on the chest before. Um, but, yeah, the boxing task force. I didn't know there was such a thing. <laughs> Put out a statement on Tuesday that Balo was disqualified for unsportsmanlike conduct behavior after he was very clearly intended to bite the ear and face of his opponent in the third round of the bout. Nika posted pictures of the close call on his Instagram with the caption, somebody's got a sweet tooth, but posted another picture shortly after asking people not to reach out to Bala in retaliation. Um, so we got we got Let's see here. We, we got Team USA losing all over the place. You got the COVID cases rising all over the place. We talked about all the negative, And then you got Mike Tyson-like moves in boxing. Um, yeah, the bad, the ugly, and the uglier for the Olympics. Uh, how do you think that you're going to get away with that? Like, there's got to be so many cameras there, especially when there's no crowd. I mean, there would be anyway, but with no crowd, is like the only way that people see the fight, like the events, is through probably like 90 different cameras pointing at you. You're not going to get away with biting. I understand you're frustrated, but come on. Oh, ridiculous. I want to be like Mike. That's all. This, 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 <laughs> this Olympics or whatever you want to call them at this point have been uh, uh, events. Quite, quite the. It's been quite the event. That's for sure. Quite the event. And um, through all that, the U.S. still leading in medals. <laughs> After all of this, Merca still leading the medal count. We will obviously update you uh, if needed. We will touch on Team USA next week. Hopefully, by then we know that they are in the medal round. Um, not sure if they actually, you know, we need to be worried about that. They do play Iran at twelve thirty on Wednesday. Then follow Czech Republic later in the week. We will keep you updated on any big time MLB trades that go down. Keep it locked into this at Sports with the Z and a T podcast Twitter page. That is where all you need to know will be, um, as well as the NFL training camps going on. Uh, a lot of people's NBA first draft. practices are Thursday. Next week, we will touch on the NBA draft, which is this Thursday. Obviously, we know who's going number one overall in Cade Cunningham, but we don't know. Who will actually make that pick? Pistons have been reported of shopping that. A lot of teams reported on shopping, and 
a lot of talk about a lot of player movement leading up to the draft. So we will keep you locked in on that as well. It is all of a sudden a very busy time of year. We will try our best to give our listeners everything that they want. We appreciate the subscription. We appreciate the follows. We appreciate the likes. And we also appreciate our other sponsor at Saving Face Barbershop. Go check our boy out up in Saratoga Springs. Jeremiah is located off exit 13 and in Saratoga or 13 S, depending which way you're going. You can use both. You can find multiple ways to get there, especially during track season. Saratoga is booming and give our guy a visit. You can have close face shaves, uh, any style that you want. You can off. They do offer at home cuts as well, but I don't recommend that they have an awesome atmosphere. there, great prices and you will not leave unhappy. They will not let you leave that building until you're happy with the style that they give you great guys to talk to as well. And just a really cool atmosphere to be in. So check out saving face barbershop up in Saratoga Springs. Mention sports with a Z and a T, you might get a little extra extra there on the side. So just just throwing that out there as well. Um, outside of that, thank you once again for sticking with us for this full hour and a half. I get it. It was a long episode, but there's that much going on, and we didn't want to really cut anything out. Um, but for Taylor, I am Bryce Zelinsky. We are sports with a Z and a T. We will catch you next week. Keep it locked into our social media. And uh, – Be on the lookout for those big trades. We'll catch you next week. See you.